four-day week is often a bit of clickbait. Turns out to be far more accessible in far more places than even I thought a couple years ago. We call them the gift of the fifth. And I think this really reminds us that it is a gift and it's a gift of time. Because what we do, how we do it, says everything about the organisation. If they're achieving it while you're running a four-day week trial, well, there's your proof, there's your trust. Yes, that's right. It's not just what we do for work, but how we do it. And a big innovation in how we work has been the four-day week. We first looked into the pros and cons of the four-day work week back in 2020, when it was very much in its early days here in Australia. Hello, I'm Lisa Leong, and today on This Working Life, what is and isn't working in this global workplace experiment. Okay, so how does the four-day week actually work for full-timers who work the regular nine-to-five day? I think the best person to explain this is Andrew Barnes. Andrew founded New Zealand trust company Perpetual Guardian, and he pioneered an opt-in four-day week for his employees way back in November 2018. So we talk about the 100-80-100 model. That's 100% pay. 80% time, but provided we get 100% of productivity. So it's not just about work-life balance. It's also about delivering business outcomes for business with employees working less time. Well, that sounds well and good, but does it work? Let's check back in with a couple of the business leaders we spoke to back in 2020 to hear how the four-day week has gone for them. First up is Nikki Beaumont, the founder and CEO of Beaumont People. Going back to one of the reasons that we decided to to, to try the four-day week was around mental health um, and was around, you know, people working hard, long hours, under stressful conditions and being really conscious about that as a business and, and wanting to do what we could to support people. Um, and this was before COVID even came along and, you know, people were sent into lockdown with children at home and, and everything else we've contended with since then. Um, so it was one of the main reasons that I wanted us to introduce the four-day week. And over the past couple of years, I really do believe having the four-day week has been an absolute standout for us in supporting people mental health and supporting people's stress levels. And, you know, I'm not saying that everybody in the business takes a day every week. They don't always. They manage themselves accordingly. But the fact that it's there and they can do it and they can manage themselves. And sometimes we can remind people, you know, it's actually okay to take the four-day week or if you're not taking it, why are you not taking it? What do we need to do to support you? It's been brilliant. You know, I can certainly highly recommend it from that perspective. The other thing that I think is worth talking about is for a productivity and revenue perspective. You know, initially one of people's biggest fears was, well, how how is that going to affect productivity? Surely productivity is going to go down. And, you know, as, as the business owner myself, I sat on the fence of, well, there's, there's certain people and there's certain productivity that I really don't want to go down. And there's certain people whose productivity actually, I really want to go down because I'm really worried about their burnout. So I was actually coming from the perspective of hoping that it would give us an opportunity to get the productivity balance right. 
And we don't always get it right. It's not always right for everyone at every time. But I think it really helps us enormously because we talk, we think, we work in terms of productivity, not hours or not financial output. It's actually more about the whole role and the whole person that becomes a bigger part of the conversation. And, and um, I can honestly say that, you know, despite the interesting last couple of years that we've been through, Pretty much, I would say, 90 to 95% of people's productivity has increased. And we would never have expected that during the tricky times that we've been in, but it has, you know. So people have been able to take a four-day week and increase their productivity. The four-day week has also been going well at tech company Versa. Kath Blackham is the CEO. I work in, uh, in the consulting space, so we charge by the hour. We do do a shorter week. We work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, but we do our 37.5 hours over that four days. So we definitely aspire to cutting that down. And I, I believe that AI and all the advancements in productivity, I have pledged to give that back time back to my employees when I can. But at the moment, we were sat in an industry that where it was very common to do 50, 60 hour weeks. And we've kind of gone for an approach where it is almost impossible to do beyond your 37.5 hours. So on a Wednesday, people have the whole day off for mental health. We call it a kind of mental health day because for me, that's what the four-day week is about is we're, we're facing an epidemic. People are working too hard and they need that break during the week, which is why I don't do it on a Monday and a Friday. But of course, it's not a one-size-fits-all model. Andrew Barnes says quite often consulting businesses use this model. We, by contrast, have 17 retail offices. I have got to keep those stores open, you know, five days a week. So our model's slightly different. What we do is we have a reduced hours. We have 32 hours. But we say to the staff, what is the time that you want off? And that means that some people will take a day, some take a couple of half days. But Actually, we have a bunch of people, generally working parents, who will work five days a week but compressed hours. And that means they can do the childcare thing. They can drop the kids off. They can pick them up. And so that's what works for us. And I think it's fair to say that what is our four-day week, you know, it's not Kath's four-day week. It changes company to company. Another company, Inventium, gives everyone Friday off and they've given it a special name. We call them the gift of the fifth. And I think this really reminds us that it is a gift and it's a gift of time. That's Sasha Darcy. I'm a psychologist and consultant at Inventium and we work a four-day week. Is it fair to say that you were a bit sceptical about the four-day week when you were job hunting, but it was in fact something that you needed in the end? Why is that? Yes. So I um, was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease several years ago. And when I was finishing up my master's and juggling work and doing a few different things, a lot of my health practitioners just said, look, full-time work may not actually be something that you can manage whilst also managing your health. So you might want to look at part-time options. And I was very determined not to do that. So I was looking around um, and keeping an open mind. And I saw that Inventium was advertising. And I thought, if that's true and a four-day week is actually a four-day week, maybe that would be something that I could do. But I just thought there's no way that it's actually four standard working days. I thought it would be more like Kath's model where I'd be doing five days worth of work, so the 37.5 hours in four days. And I thought I still don't think I could manage that, but I wanted to 
inquire and, and see and sort of learn as I went. What happened? Yeah, so it turns out I am just working a 30-hour week. So, uh, we are a behavioural science consultancy. So, we're a small consulting firm. We have clients that want to hear from us all the time, but we only work four days a week. So, as a company, we all take Fridays off and that is something that is communicated to our clients. We have out-of-offices on our inbox if people reach out on a Friday. But We've been with a lot of our clients for a long time and a lot of people come to us now because they know we do things like the four-day week. So, it's not really something that gets pushed back on. So, we measure our key metrics for ourselves via the OCRA system. So, objectives, key results uh, and actions. And our OCRA outcomes are still the same. So, we're still expected to achieve the same outcomes, but just to do that in 80% of our time. And in order to do that, we needed to look really closely at how we were hosting meetings, how often we were distracted by digital distractions, how much time we actually had allocated to do deep focused work throughout the week. So, a lot of our Workday reinvention program was built off the back of us running our own experiments of how can we work more productively so that we can make this four day week work for us. So I'm hearing something about trust here in your employees, in each other. Kath, do you have a comment on that? Only that this all comes down to trust. Doesn't actually matter what uh, methodology you use or what, how you do it. This is all about, I think you need to trust that your employees are there to do the best for you as a business and that they, and what I have found is when you trust them and you give something that is really valuable to them. And for us, that's the Wednesday off. They work really hard to make it work because they want it. We love at Versa, we love our Wednesdays off. So we as a collective will do anything we can to make sure that it works. And I, I think that when you feel trusted as an employee, then you then take responsibility for it. So it, it's a complete different psychology, I think. Um, and I always say to people that, you know, I, I talk to a lot of businesses that are wanting to implement the four-day week, no matter how they want to do it. And you just have to go and try, trust your staff, listen to them. And um, if it doesn't work one way, try another thing. So don't don't give up the first time because something hasn't worked or you've got a couple of bad eggs. A lot of people are not doing it for those two people in their organisation that are going to take the mickey out of them. Well, don't do that deal with those two people, don't make the rest of the um, team suffer just because two people can't be trusted. And I think for those who are feeling cynical about, you know, trust and assuming positive intent, I think trust can sound quite arbitrary. Something that we rely on is metrics. You can't manage what you can't measure. So, make sure you've got really solid metrics around output, what you want, get really clear on what you want people to be achieving and measure that. If they're achieving it while you're running a four-day week trial, well, there's your proof, there's your trust. I know not everyone, it's not a perfect world, can't come in and just trust from the outset. And I think especially people who are worried about the impact it'll have on the bottom line, set really clear metrics and then see for yourself. And like Sasha in the beginning, people and businesses around the world are still a little bit sceptical that the four-day week is actually just four days. 
Dr. Alex Pung is the founder of Strategy and Rest, a consultancy that helps people and companies harness the power of rest to shorten their workdays while staying focused and productive. He consults with businesses who are looking into the four-day week model, and these are some of the concerns he hears. Well, one of them is whether it can work actually in sort of my company. It's always one thing to hear about it in other industries or to hear about it happening in, you know, Scandinavia, which for at least American companies, you hear stories about like Swedish companies doing it. You might as well be talking about the elves and Lord of the Rings, right? Sort of these beautiful people somewhere else with lovely teeth and healthcare, and there's nothing that we can learn from them. The other objections come along the lines of, will my people buy it? You know, very often, if you've got very dedicated people, maybe sort of a workforce that is accustomed to thinking of long hours as the way in which you distinguish yourselves and move up, then, you know, convincing them that this is not like the slow train to professional mediocrity, but in fact is a way of sort of building a more sustainable career, creating space for professional development. That's a challenge. The other thing I think is how do I explain it to investors, right? If you are venture backed, you've got a bunch of people who expect thousand percent growth and literally want to see people sleeping under their desks. And so being able to convince them that you are not just making a bonfire out of their cash, but you're actually going to deliver as good or better a return on investment by working this way. I had one manager tell me that in January 2020, work from home was the hill he would have died on. He absolutely knew his company could never do it. And his people proved him wrong in about two weeks. And I think that you know not only did that equip lots of companies with the tools necessary to move to a shorter work week, but... It also, I think, opened them up to sort of the possibility that bigger changes than they imagined sort of were feasible at a time when their workers really, really needed it. And Alex, what have you noticed about industries taking this on? Who is getting involved from your perspective? Well, it's easier for smaller companies to do this. And I think that sort of there is some advantage with the tech industry. However, you know, it's not just like professionals and creatives and sort of those kinds of companies that have done it. You know, I'm also seeing Michelin starred restaurants, garages, factories, care homes, you know, it's hourly workers, it's blue collar turns out to be far more accessible in far more places than even I thought a couple of years ago. One big thing is sort of growing interest in sort of the four-day week and shorter work weeks among sort of governments and policy people, right? You see this most dramatically in Iceland and sort of the UAE, but there are politicians in Japan, the US, Chile, all over the world who have at least started talking about this as something that they want to trial or encourage in their own countries. I'm also seeing the beginnings of uptake in schools where or the UAE, the schools are moving to four and a half day weeks. But interestingly, Stanford Medical School has implemented a four day teaching schedule for or first and second year students, in part because they're actually starting to see signs of burnout in medical school. You don't have to wait uh, or for your residency any longer. And 
the scale of companies that experimenting with four-day weeks is also growing. It tended to be more sort of smaller firms with charismatic founders who had the moral authority to say, we're going to go in a different direction. But now you're seeing much larger firms experimenting with it. And in a couple cases, like Wuwa Brothers in Korea, which implemented a shorter work week when it had a couple hundred people and now has about 4,000, they've actually scaled up so that they are much bigger than they were, which shows that it's possible actually to grow and sort of to do really interesting technical stuff, sort of even while you're working a shorter week. So I think those are those are some of the things that I think sort of distinguish the movement now rather than a couple of years ago. Who's new to the party around the world? <laughs> so I think the you know the two big stories are first of all, last year Iceland introduced a shorter work week, not quite four days sort of across its public sector. So that's, you know, or about 30,000 employees, about 15% of sort of its total workforce. And then just in January, the United Arab Emirates announced that starting January 3rd, number one, the weekend was going to change. So it's now a Friday or it's now sort of starts on Friday afternoons and goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the work week for public sector workers and the school week are now four and a half days. So you've got two vastly different kinds of countries and economies, both implementing this shift at a very sort of large scale. And then there are, of course, there continue to be an amazing number of small companies that are doing it. Larger companies are experimenting sometimes with particular national offices doing it or with you know a specific department, but all of them with the eye toward learning enough about whether this can work so that they can scale it up across their organizations. So those are the really novel things that we've seen in the last year or so. So two years ago, when we first explored this topic, people were experimenting with it to help their staff at the beginning of the pandemic. Andrew, you're based in Auckland. What have you noticed about the take-up of the four-day week in the last two years in Australia and New Zealand? Well, I think if anything, it's accelerated. And I think COVID has actually played an important part of that. And that's primarily because when we first started talking about this, there were two great impediments to companies picking up on the four-day week. One was, how do I measure productivity? And the second is, how do I trust my staff? And of course, when COVID hit, we had to send our staff home. Time in the office no longer was the measurement of productivity. And then we found amazingly that sending our staff home, they still worked hard. In fact, in some cases, they worked harder. So because of that, it's opened our eyes to the fact that there are different ways, different models, and actually the time has come to rethink this. And that, I think, is being reflected in the attitudes of employees, but critically also in the attitudes of business leaders. And Andrew, when you started looking into this, there were surveys showing exactly how many hours people were truly productive in their workday. Tell me about that. Brits and Canadians were only truly productive for three hours a day. Now, that means that five hours a day, they weren't truly productive. They were busy uh, or they were doing other stuff, but they weren't actually producing output. So what I wanted to do when I experimented, I wanted to change that dynamic and wondered if I gave them more time off, would they stop doing home phone calls? Would they stop going on the Internet? 
Would they not, you know, sit there chatting half the time? Would they not go to open-ended meetings? And we all know the Microsoft experience in Japan, you know, half-hour meetings, five in a meeting, and 39.9% improvement in productivity. So what we're often talking about here is getting rid of that unproductive time. Just because you work 40 hours a week doesn't mean you're producing 40 hours of output. All we're trying to do here is find a model that incentivizes people to be more productive. And the point is, this is the great thing about it. If you go and pick your kid up from school for the first time, if you can go spend time with your granddaughter, you can't put a price on it. The time you get off is actually invaluable. And that's what makes this work. And Kath, what are the metrics? How is productivity fared and revenue and staff satisfaction? I mean, it's difficult for me. I've been doing it for so many years now that it's it's just part of who we are. So you can't or can't do this comparison. I was pretty vocal, right? It, so I started it on the 1st of July, ended the trial, the year trial on the 30th of June. And that was the year that I, you know, I, I tripled in profits. I doubled in revenue where productivity was up. But what I've always been very careful to say is that I don't attribute, you know, the, the fact that I tripled my profits, I'm not promising anybody here or anywhere that you're going to do the four day week and you're going to triple your profits. My point is that my, my business didn't just not suffer, it prospered. And I think I put that down to the fact that I have incredibly happy staff who are very um, on the Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday that they are working. They are reinvigorated. They ha- it's like we do kind of two short weeks. So people are living their best life with us and then bringing their best selves to us. And I think that that's really the key to why we've seen those business metrics continue to climb. What I have seen is that it is in the great resignation, great reshuffle. We are finding it much, much easier to find good staff than other people. It is a true differentiator. And I think Sasha Wood, you know, is is a good example of this that, you know, people come to us not because they're lazy. A lot of people think that the people that work at Versa are lazy, right? They just want to work four day a week. So they, well, we must just pick up all the lazy people in uh, Melbourne. And that's not the case. These are people that recognize that to do their best work, there is a better way. And we haven't even looked at that for 100 years. So we know that there is a different and better way. Andrew, do you have any reactions to what Kath has just shared? Yeah, look, I would absolutely concur with that. I mean, we've been doing it, you know, it feels like four years now. Um, we saw it when we first did the trial an increase in productivity overall by about 25%. But, but you know, I'm with Kathy. It's not rocket science, this. You know, if you've got healthier, happier, more engaged, more committed staff, then, you know, they give you a better output. And I think, you know, that's clear. And I think the other thing is that, What we are also seeing with the great reshuffle, great resignation, that, you know, staff are choosing to go to companies that are rather more progressive in their output. You know, we're the dullest company in the world. We're a trust company. You don't get up in the morning and say, I want to work for a trust company. But yet we are managing to fill the spots and, and attract great people because what we do, how we do it, says everything about the organization. And Kath, is there any learnings that you might want to share here at this point? 
I would say for businesses that are looking at, for the leaders of businesses, that you have to practice what you preach. You have to do it, not just tell other people to do it, but you have to do it. So I think that's one of my key learnings. And the other is it's a muscle that needs to be worked at. So don't go into this thinking that it's a, like everything, it's a set and forget. And if we slip even for a minute, people go back to working on Wednesdays. So it is, it's not, it's innate in us that we're told that these random hours from nine to five and these random group of days, that's, you grow up knowing that that's what you're supposed, or thinking that's what you're supposed to do. And so what we're all talking about here is creating an environment where we're focusing on productivity And we are, and it goes across manufacturing, medical, business, all sorts of things. Remember, you know, one of the biggest manufacturing companies in the world, Volkswagen, is on a four-day week. It's about incentivizing people to find a way to do things better. And if you're saying that the way we work today is the best we can do, you're saying that today, this is the pinnacle of human achievement. It doesn't get any better than this. And that clearly is wrong. If you'd like to try the four-day week in your business, check out Andrew's not-for-profit online community, Four Day Week Global. You've been listening to This Working Life. Thanks to producer Zoe Ferguson. I'm Lisa Leong, currently trialling the six-day work week, but we're working on that. And until next time, keep working. Keep working.